Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Morning, and with an ode to the late, great Eddie Van Halen, who has passed away at the age of 65, the Lakers have jumped out to a 3-1 finals lead, and Key and Laker Nation can taste, can smell. They're on the brink of their 17th NBA championship. Yeah, it's a wrap, man. It's a, it is a wrap, which would tie them with their arch-rival, the Boston Celtics for the Boston NBA history. Believe it or not, they won't have a chance to clinch key until Friday. So we got a couple of days to think about this. Yeah, that's fine. The Heat need a couple of days to regroup. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Jay will join us here at 7 a.m. Just about an hour from now, he was on the broadcast last night, breaking it down, telling you everything you needed to know. Key, let's get your breakdown. Good morning to you. And virtuoso guitarist that's what the new york times called eddie van halen in their obituary today he died at the age of 65 yesterday if you're not aware if you're too young one of the most influential guitarists of his time sweet music for lebron yesterday and a virtuoso performance from him too 28 12 and 8 and your boys are on the brink it, it you know as i said before people you know heard me say he needed help and didn't understand what i meant by that you saw it yesterday Anthony Davis had to come to the party. KCP had to come to the party. Danny Green had to come to the party. I didn't need Kuz having 19 points, the nine points that he had and and was very efficient at getting those. That is what I'm talking about when I say help, Zubin. And when you look at it, LeBron James sent a message to his teammates after his nap by sending a text and telling them this is it. This is a must win. This is pressure. And and he knew that the narrative would be set based on – them getting to 3-1 versus being tied at 2-2. That was important, not only in L.A., but across the country because people, you know, for whatever reasons, they don't want to see LeBron James get that fourth NBA title with three different teams. Why do you I, think that is? He's just That's just how people are, man, polarizing. You know how it go. When you're on top, they always want to try to squash you and bring you down. All of those sort of things is running through his mind. Mm-hmm. That game three was still running through the mind. When you're a great athlete, that, those sort of moments never leave you. you. You're restless at night because you're trying to figure out, how do I get over the hump and get things done? What happened? What went wrong in game three? That, th- those things play on your mind for 24 hours, 48 hours, until you actually step back on the floor. And when he woke up from that nap, He was dreaming about that. He was dreaming about sending that text. He went to sleep saying, okay, this is what I'm going to do. He envisioned it. And he sent the text, and they got the message. They got it loud and clear, and they certainly played that way no matter who was in the lineup. When you think about the way that they neutralized Jimmy Butler, they sent a lot of big bodies at him at times. He only finished with 22 points, nowhere near the 40 that he had the the game before. Bam Adebayu, yep. I got it right that time. You did. Bam Adebayu came, and he tried to give him as much as he could, but when you're coming off an injury, you know, you're going to be rusty, and you got to be careful because you're still tender in situations. So when you look at it, Tyler Hero tried to give him as much as he could. That's just not enough when you're going up against a solid Laker front that they have. Dwight Howard didn't obviously do much in the game. And then when you look at you look at what they had – from a Lakers standpoint, they shot the ball well with efficiency. Rondo played well. He didn't score a lot of points. He didn't hit the buckets. I think he tried to, I think he was one for seven. It's just, but overall, they played within Frank Vogel's system. They didn't get outside the box. They didn't allow uh, Eric Sposter and the Miami Heat to frustrate them like they did in game three. Quick two points. Anthony Davis, after a clunker, had a gigantic three. Gigantic Oh, yeah, three I turned it off game. at that point. That was the uh, clicker. Yeah, it was a clicker. <laughs> Move to the Dodgers. So, I... 
That was a good night for you, by the way. That's a two for two night for you, baseball vernacular. Yeah, that's that was a two for two. So Anthony Davis after the dud comes up big. And I think the other way I look at this is Look, after game three, I think it was finally we got a finals. And then the Lakers just restored order here. It kind of feels like the series is over. Again, LeBron has been able to come back from a 3-1 deficit. He did it himself with the Cavs against the Warriors. But my larger point on having a series and now the series seems over is, and I got nothing against Bam Adebayo. I think he's going to be a great player. He was runner-up for the most improved player. I thought he should have won it. Brandon Ingram won it. But when you're a team like the Miami Heat and you are saying, our season rests on the shoulders of Bam Adebayo. In three or four years, I'm fine with that because he's going to be awesome. But right now, if you're saying, like, if we don't have this young guy, we got no chance, that just kind of tells you where you are. Well, you, With you, all due respect to him. Well, you also said most improved, right? right. I mean, that if means you're, you're coming from a place yeah, of... Yeah, you're coming from a place of to get to a LeBron James or Anthony Davis. That's a long climb. Right. I mean, you got to really be climbing to get up there. Um, in all due respect, like you said, good player. But it does, you, you can't match the same intensity of those type of guys. That's why they're considered, one is considered the greatest of all time, depending on who you're asking, and another is considered the top five player. I mean, it's just, it, Miami's a good story. Sure. They were the fifth seed or the sixth seed coming out of the five East. Seed. Five seed coming out of the East. Good story. Won one more game than the Sixers, right? They didn't seem to be it, It's a great story coming. because if you, you asked anybody at the beginning of the season that, we're going to bet on Miami to go to the championship. Only people were taking that bet. They were in Dade County. That's it. <laughs> right. Nobody else was taking that bet, right? I mean, no matter what the odds, how great the odds were, nobody across the country was taking that bet. They're in a good place. The organization with Pat Riley and Eric Sposter, the foundation is laid. They're in a great place. But they're going up against the Lakers. And the Lakers are in a much better place. And the Lakers are on a mission. I'm not never doubting the intensity of Pat Riley or anything like that. But what LeBron has in front of him, you mentioned the text message, which we'll talk about in just a little bit. They are just laser focused. Be a part of Keyshawn J. Will and Zuba Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. ESPN Nation presented by Dr. Pepper. It's official. College football's back. So is your favorite Dr. Pepper loving college football town, Fansville. Head to a store near you to treat your inner college football fan to an ice cold 20 ounce Dr. Pepper today. In the commercial break, I'm going to grab a 12 ounce Dr. Pepper and Key's going to tell me how my insides are going to rot from the end because I'm always drinking the soda. No, Dr. Pepper's great. I love Dr. Pepper. It's really good. Yes, Dr. Pepper's one of our favorite. I'm going right there during the commercial. Key's telling me to cut down on the caffeine early this morning. I want to say everybody wants to be out there in the fourth quarter. That's for sure. Everybody wants to be out there in crunch time. Here's LeBron James on Listen to This playing every single second of the fourth quarter in these unusual NBA playoffs. For me, I mean, at this point in the season, I, I don't care about rest. I really don't. I don't care about sleep. I don't care about resting throughout the game. And obviously, I come out the game. You know, coach has a rhythm and, and a rotation that we live by and we go by. Um, but I don't care about resting. I can rest in a week, max, if it, you know, if it happens to go there. I can rest for a month straight, which I won't do. <laughs> Because of who I am, you guys know that. But if I, I can do, I can rest then. I can sleep eight hours and get up and eat and then go right back to sleep if I want to. He can do whatever he wants. See, that, 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 that's, that, that conversation he's having with the press, that's why I miss playing. Because my mindset, you, you, you're just listening to him. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, that's facts. Like I can literally, I'm on a mission. You're not going to stop me from accomplishing my goal. You know, and like I told you before, 
dude wasn't sleeping, and I didn't even know that because I didn't hear his presser. Yeah. But I just know the mindset of a player that's on a mission because I've been there before. You don't sleep. Right. Literally, like you up looking at the ceiling trying to figure out how in the hell am I going to get at the Miami Heat and stop the bleeding. That's what you're thinking about. LeBron did say he has nothing to do in the bubble, so there's a lot of nights spent staring at the ceiling, and obviously I, he's dreaming. I've never been in the bubble. I just know sitting on that bed thinking, how am I going to get at the Buffalo Bills to win the division? Mm-hmm. How am I going to win this game against the Philadelphia Eagles? Like, I, it, it's just one of those, it's just, it's you built like that. Right, putting your back in your football days you yeah. were talking about. Oh, yeah. There, one quick thing. Uh, and that is um, major props to Frank Vogel. Unbelievable props to Frank Vogel. People said he was hired to be fired. He had his worst coaching experience ever in Orlando, right outside where the bubble is, and now he's about to have the best coaching experience. Well, he didn't experience. have LeBron James. And no, Anthony that Davis magic either. roster. <laughs> Aaron Aflalo isn't, no, isn't exactly LeBron <laughs> James there. No, So it's a little bit of a difficult situation, but it's great because Vogel had a terrible experience in Orlando, and now in Orlando he's going to have the best of his coaching career. Still to come, LeBron is now on the verge of doing something in the finals. Michael Kobe, Magic, Larry, Kareem never did. That is next. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Here's a question for you as you hear LeBron James talk about what this moment means for him. Keyshawn, J. Will, Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. All of our guests join us on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. J. Will, fresh off his duties working on NBA Countdown and taking us through the game last night. He'll join us in about 45 minutes or so. Can't wait to get his first blush thoughts now that he's had a chance to sleep on it and think about everything that went down. Key, quick question for you, as I mentioned. Quick answer. How many, uh, how many text messages do you think you send in a day? In a day for to you guys or just in general? Well, I know you don't send any to me, and I definitely don't respond. But uh, No, well, you no. do get it. <laughs> I get it, but I don't group. really respond. To it. How many do you send in a day? Friends, family, associates, your agents, your football friends? I would probably say 150. 150 a day. Yeah. 
I don't know how many LeBron sends, Key, but he did send one. Markeith Morris, his teammate, told NBA TV that during yesterday's mid-afternoon, he likes to take the pregame nap like Absolutely. a lot of people do. Key's yep. still taking the pregame yep. nap today, post-retirement. Essentially said that, look, we got to win this game. It's a must game. It's a must-win game. After the game, LeBron essentially corroborating it, saying, I woke up from my nap after our team meeting. I felt that vibe. I felt that pressure. I just wanted to relay that message to my teammates of what kind of zone I was in. He said that after the game. This is Anthony Davis talking about getting that text message, popping into his phone, and what it meant considering who the sender was. They sent that message, and you know, guys already knew. I mean, we felt bad after losing game three. Uh, we didn't play the way we were supposed to play. Um, so guys were already on edge, you know, coming into tonight. And then we see the message from, you know, our leader saying it's a must win. Um, and he just left it at that. And guys knew coming in that you know, we need to bring our A game. And um, like I said, we, we kind of already knew that we – um, had to play a certain way, and, and that this was a it was a must win. I mean, we we all season said we don't want to be a team that loses two in a row, and we have the ability to to make that happen. Um, and so we we was already on edge about coming in and uh, being ready to do whatever we had to do to get this win. It really wasn't a must win, but in their minds, it was. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. I mentioned this. Uh, not Michael, obviously, since he just played for one team. Not Larry. Not Magic. Not Kareem. Not Tim Duncan. Nobody has won three. Not Kawhi. Not Kawhi. Kawhi was on the verge. So basically what we're talking about is winning an NBA Finals MVP with three different teams. Kawhi was on the verge with San Antonio. Believe it or not, he actually got that first one at 22. Then obviously with the Raptors, could have done it before the Clippers flamed out. And now LeBron is on the precipice of being the first person in the history of the NBA. He's always setting marks, right? This year he led the league in assists for first time. Just always doing something he hasn't. Always consistently building. This would be the first player in the history of the 74-year history of the NBA to win the finals MVP with three different teams. And Key, he's 48 minutes away from doing it. No, and it, and it is, it is a, a, a great accomplishment if, in fact, he does get it, get the NBA, I mean, the, the finals MVP. Only way I see him not getting it, he has to have a clunker this next game out or somewhere along the line. And AD has to, let's just say we clo- our closeout game. Um, AD has to have 35, 12, and 6. LeBron has to have like 25 and 3. That, something like that for him not to get it. I think it comes down to, though, and the more and more I've done this, I've done this for 20 years, and you've been involved in the media since you were a rookie in the NFL. One thing sometimes, will take you behind the curtain a little bit, sometimes when you get into the media and we're all fans and we love sports as much as anybody listening, you start to, and I'm as guilty of this as anybody, you start to root for the story more than your favorite team, right? You sort of start to say, what would be best for us? What's the best topic to talk about? What would get fans across the country riled up? What makes for good TV and radio? And I think... With LeBron taking the Lakers back, winning the 17th title, to tie the Celtics after he had all those great battles with the Celtics with the Cavs, and to bring them their first title in 10 years, the first one since Kobe, it just seems to me that even if LeBron has whatever pedestrian is by his standards, obviously the bar is set so high, it's just setting up the story is setting up for LeBron to win the finals MVP because of what it would mean individually for him and what it would mean collectively for the NBA. Make no mistake, the NBA is struggling and people are wondering why people aren't watching. The Lakers being relevant again, the Lakers being great again. 
is a humongous boon for the league. That's another story for another day, but I just do believe the story of LeBron, of all people, leading this franchise back, it's too sweet to not give him the MVP no matter what. Well, that, that's what I said. It would have to be one of those. It, it, AD would have to go nuts, and LeBron would have to have a, a major clunker for the rest of the right. way. I mean, it's just they're going to – You have to – unlikely. You have to kind of give him the MVP. Uh, as I said to you before – his mentality, and I, and I know that people would think that I'm biased because I'm an L.A. guy and I'm a Laker guy, right. but his mentality speaks to Laker franchise, Laker organization, what it's like to be a Laker, what it's like to win championships. What are the specific attributes you're talking about here? It's the, the focus. It's the leadership. It's the dog in him at the moments that matter most. It's sending the text message and saying to his teammates, you said it, Zubin, oh, well, it's really not a must win. no. It's a must win. He said it because he the pressure. There's a amount of pressure that was on him to get to 3-1 and not be at 2-2. Or else he wouldn't have never sent the message, right? I mean, he just said, uh, okay, we're fine, like he said before the game, as when they went down and lost that game. He said, well, I'm not worried about him. And then as he, the day went on, and I'm sure as he saw whatever's out there in the universe – and what was ever planned in his mind, he felt that that pressure was coming on. And it was important for him to continue to relay that message to his teammates. That's what I'm talking about when I say Magic Johnson, Kobe Bryant, Shaq, Jerry West, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, James Worthy. All of those great Laker players would right. have done the same thing. I mean, it's just it, – and, and I know – he won two championships down in Miami, and he, he obviously won the one in Cleveland, and he'll forever be you know, in the arms of all the Cleveland fans and all of those sort of things. Yep. But his mentality is a Laker mentality. It's, it's almost like when you look at it, he was born to be a Laker. Uh-huh. And I'm not just saying this because he's great, and I'm not just saying this because they're on their way to potentially a 17 championship. I'm saying this because – I've been there my whole life, and I know those most of those guys, and I know most of those mentalities of all the ones that I just mentioned. Right. And he falls right into that category. Like, he fits like a perfect piece in a puzzle. Now, I need two championships. I was just going to gonna get, say. I need, I need two championships, that. That, right? <laughs> after saying all that, to get a statue right. in front of Staples right. or to the side of Staples, I need two championships. One's not, one's not going to get it, and I know that conversation, especially up in L.A., it's going, that conversation is going to carry. They win this, the conversation, oh, is LeBron getting the statue? Is he getting it before Worthy? Two. Two championships, Two. you'll get the statue. Okay, we'll see. He's almost halfway there. Almost. We'll see. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Still to come, a big injury in the NFL that could derail a Super Bowl favorite, and no one's talking about it. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Subin, the podcast. Buster, good morning. Uh, Rays, Yankees will play again today, 645 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Uh, from your years, decades covering the Yankees, and obviously as a baseball insider, what's your biggest takeaway after watching Tampa even it up last night? Oh, boy. Well, first off, I do think that Aaron Boone, the Yankees manager, uh, made a mistake with how he handled his pitching last night. Um, you know, starting Davey uh, Garcia, the, the rookie pitcher, first appearance in the postseason, and then pulling him out after just a handful of batters and, and going to Jay Happ. You know, his, his uh, you know, feeling in doing that was by starting a right-hander, Potentially, you bait the Rays into lining up a bunch of left-handed hitters, and then you bring in the lefty, and you take advantage of that. Um, I don't think he gleaned that much of an advantage, just in terms of the platoons. And I think it's a pretty apparent that uh, you know both uh, Garcia and Hap were out of their comfort zones. You know, the rookie making his first appearance, and Jay Hap coming out of the bullpen, and after the game. You know, Jay said, look, I'm, I'm responsible for how I pitched, but he also repeatedly deferred all questions about the strategy to, uh, to Aaron. And he, I think the reporters who were on the Zoom call with him after the game last night could tell he, he wasn't comfortable with it. And I, and I thought it was a mistake in a short series, and I'm surprised. Even with that being said, at least the Yankees have some good news with Carlos Stanton obviously continuing to stay hot in the postseason how are people reacting to the way he's been playing in the postseason, Buster? I think pleasantly surprised to some degree because he's had troubles, uh, you know, in the past in the postseason. And on top of that, he didn't finish the regular season very well. But you know, I, I've really learned a lot uh, about his situation because through working with Alex Rodriguez in Sunday Night Baseball. You know, in our meetings, in our conversations, he talks about you know, developing that comfort level in the postseason. You guys remember that Alex struggled so badly at one point that he was dropped to eighth in the lineup by Joe Torre. And and Alex mentioned when we started uh, play this year that he thought Stanton would be someone who would benefit from the fact that there were no fans in the stands, no constant negative reinforcement. He's off to a tremendous start. You know, at the beginning uh, in the series against Cleveland, he had a couple mistakes. Well, he is definitely getting into a rhythm last night. You know, I loved when he hit his second home run uh, of the game. You know, his fifth in this postseason. Ron Darling, who was doing the, the, doing the analysis on television, said that he's never seen a batter do to a baseball what Stan did with that second home run, hitting, about, you know, hitting it about three-quarters of the way up the bleachers out in left field. In the, in the third inning, Ronald Acuna was hit by a pitch um, in, with nobody on at all. Did that wake up the Braves? Absolutely, I think it did. Um, and, and look, there is a long history here with the Marlins and with Acuna Jr. You know, he hits a home run, his first plate appearance. He has a bat flip, and the next time he comes up, he gets smoked. And he, uh, as he stood at home plate, you could tell, like, he, he was upset. But he made up his mind he wasn't going to charge the mound, but he turned to the Marlins' dugout and held up 
five fingers to talk about essentially how many times he's been hit by the Marlins. And after that, the you know the Braves rally, they come back. Um, you know, Don Mattingly, the Marlins manager, said after the game, no, there's no way we did it on purpose. I'll tell you from the, my time covering baseball, when I saw the pitch on replay, I was like, okay, that looks weird. And it seemed like a really strange time for for the Marlins to get into that because a lot of times if they have beefs with another player for a bat flip or, or maybe being too hot, uh, they'll save it over for the next spring rather than deal with it in a playoff game. And after that happened, the Braves scored a bunch of runs. Buster only joining us here on Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Zubin. Let's turn to the Dodgers out west. Walker Bueller goes four innings, gives up one earned run. Kenley Jansen closes it out with Dustin May in the middle. The sixth inning for the pod, young Padres, they learned what playoff baseball is all about. What did you see in game one? Well, the biggest thing for me uh, about last night was it really revealed how the Padres are going to struggle for pitching depth because, you know, Mike Clevenger was their big acquisition before the trade deadline. They get him from the Cleveland Indians, a guy to front the rotation. Well, he got hurt down the stretch. He threw only one inning uh, after September 13th, and yet, you know, over the weekend when they found out that, yeah, he could take the ball yesterday, um, they immediately put him in a game one of a series in which they're going to be playing five consecutive days. You're seeing all these other teams essentially line up their strongest starting pitchers in game one so they can bring them back later in the series. The Padres were so desperate, they line up Clevenger, having thrown just one inning in, in almost a month in game one, and he threw just 24 pitches got three outs, and had to come out of the game. That means as we move forward, they're incredibly vulnerable, especially against a team like the Dodgers, who have so much depth. Buster, the cheating Astros are out at Chavez <laughs> Ravine winning games. Which, uh, which Astro player has vindicated themselves in terms of, you know, just from the sign the stealing? Well, first off, uh, George Springer. No doubt. He had four hits in game one, a couple of home runs yesterday, and this could not be time better for him because he's a free agent uh, as soon as the postseason's over. And this is someone, by the way, had his service time manipulated. The Astros really stuck it to him. He should have been a free agent last fall, probably should have gotten $200 million. Now with COVID, the financial landscape has changed. It's going to cost him tens of millions of dollars he's never going to get back. But he's reminding teams about how good he is in this postseason, um, you know, with the way that he's hitting the ball, the way that he's performing. Uh, and I say this, too, just watching the Astros play. They are clearly freed up mentally, where they've gotten to the point where they're like, you know what, everyone hates us, so we're just going to go out and play the game. We're going to have fun. We're going we're to have a big old chip on our shoulder because we think we're unfairly chastised for what happened. And they are thriving you know the one concern for them as we go forward Zach Ranke uh, who went into the postseason as number one starter dealing with some kind of an arm issue and we don't know when or if he can pitch again and there's no Verlander either right huge huge we'll have all four series resumed today first pitch first first pitch of the day between the Marlins and the Braves will be at 145 Eastern and then as Key said the uh, cheating Astros will be up next Yankees and Rays after that in our stadium too that's a great storyline we have to talk about especially after 2017 we'll get into that in a second and then the nightcap Keys Dodgers and the Padres at 845 Eastern by the way all four games available on ESPN radio and Buster's podcast the baseball tonight podcast available every single day during the playoffs during the weekdays and essentially as Buster said not too many days off so download them every single day great info Buster thank you very much I appreciate it guys great to talk with you uh-huh. same to you
All right, so Key, let's quickly set the scene here before we roll into a little NFL talk. And that is to say, look, no fans this year, obviously. There may be some limited fans. Rob Manfred, the commissioner, is expecting to be some limited fans at the World Series in Arlington. But if there's any team that could benefit from having no fans, obviously it's the Astros because every fan base outside of Houston was ready to go there and boo every time the Astros came to their ballpark. So you got that as one. And then as you mentioned, the Astros sort of returning. I don't want to, I, know, I know you love true crime. Yeah. He's a big day. Scene of the guy. crime. I was returning there. to the scene of the crime. I was there. Wrapped up the 2017 World Series yeah. in LA. And then only later we found out how they got it done. Yeah, I was there. I left in the, I want to say I left in the bottom of the fifth. Mm. I got there right before I left in the bottom of the fifth. It just, you know, whatever. I mean, there. I was hoping that we blocked off the entryway on Sunset and Stadium Way where they wouldn't be able to get into the stadium. Were I you, was hoping that they just police and everything just blocked it off. Were you late arriving and early? No, leaving? no, I was. <laughs> I was on. No, I was on time, and I was very disgusted at the way things turned out by yeah. the fifth inning, and it was time to roll out of there because the funny thing is, when I walked from the stadium to the car, yeah, I walked from the stadium to the Uber. I could have just stayed in the stadium because when I got the Uber, the game was over. Right. By the time the Uber came and it was like everybody's pouring out, the game was over. It was just like a disaster, man. Yeah. Well, maybe the Dodgers yeah. will atone this year. They seem to be the overall favorite. Caesars William Hill has them at 3-1, to one, and considering how, look, how good they've looked early on, I wouldn't doubt it. Again, all four games today, all four series resuming, and they're all on ESPN Radio in one minute. We'll talk about a major blow to Tom Brady's Super Bowl chances in Tampa. But first, let's go from A to Z. And it's... And it's brought to you by Redbox. New at Redbox, irresistible, hilarious comedy from the writer-director John Stewart. Yes, that John Stewart, starring Steve Carell and Rose Byrne. Visit Redbox.com for all the ways to watch. Lakers over the Heat, 102-96, series lead. It's pretty much a wrap, you would think. LeBron, 28-12 and 8 after sending a text message to the team, imploring them to take this game as seriously as as they need to. Obviously, the message was received. Yeah, we're, we're already planning in L.A. a, a pandemic ticker tape parade. <laughs> we're just trying to figure out how to figure out how to get to people social distancing, you know, when we do this parade. Good thing California is so big because if every fan is to be six feet apart, it's going to be kind of going to be kind of strange. There'll be a lot of extra waving. The New York Rangers selected left wing Alexis Lafreniere with the first pick in the 2020 NHL yes. draft on Tuesday. Key, any hockey analysis here? For no, it was, it was great. He's, he was a top guy, an 18-year-old kid that uh, was the number one overall pick. Joins a, a very hand few, a few people in that uh, NHL. Yes, a consensus top prospect joining an original six team. And the, the Rangers, obviously, if you're following hockey, need a ton of work. And like any other sport, when a big-time franchise is great, that sport is great, and we'll see. The Rangers could certainly use some work after this particular season. And the Tampa Bay Bucks, this is the one we were talking about. Key's going to get into this. Probably have some uh, slightly more analytical take than the hockey take. I'm going to expect you to raise the bar here a little bit. Uh, O.J. Howard, the uh, Bucks tight end on IR with an Achilles injury, so he's done for the season. It happened in the fourth quarter of Sunday's win when they rallied against the Los Angeles Chargers. And the reason I want to bring this up, by the way, the Bucks are going to have to get on life without Howard tomorrow. Short week, they'll take on the Chicago Bears. Brady and company will as the NFL season will hit week five. Here's the thing about it, Key, when you talk about O.J. Howard. We just got to mention, because this is an Achilles, clearly he's going to be out for the season. But as we discuss it further, this year, just when you see IR anywhere, if you're on your phone, you see a story, just remember this year IR is different. Back in the old days, IR meant you'd be out for the entire season. Yes. 
And then there was an eight-game IR, so you can miss half the season, but then you can return. But this year, because of everything that's going on with COVID, uh, this year, IR means a minimum of three games. Obviously, this is an Achilles injury, but just if your favorite player, your team is an injury, and the guy is on IR, remember, he could return as early as three weeks. So let's get into the conversation here. This is obviously a season-ending injury. Tom Brady doesn't have any lack of pass catchers. Chris Godwin, though, has been banged up. Let's be honest, Rob Gronkowski has not really given the Bucks what they were expecting. Arians has said he's been a good blocker. I don't know if that's a nice way of saying I'm not exactly sure what's going on <laughs> with Rob Gronkowski. What does this injury mean for the Bucks with regard to their Super Bowl? Well, it takes one of their, their big young, big weapons away that had chemistry going with Tom Brady. He's the third leading target guy uh, in terms of targets and receptions. When you think about Scotty Miller, who's more of a slot Edelman type guy than Mike Evans, and then O.J. Howard falls into that. We all know that Tom Brady loves his tight ends no because doubt. they're big in between the numbers for him. If you go back to the late Aaron Hernandez along with Gronkowski, mm-hmm. pair those two up, the things that they were able to do. Right. It doesn't derail them. It just hurts a little bit for him not to have that security blanket. You miss Gronkowski. I mean, you mentioned Gronkowski. He's not the same Gronkowski. He he, now, maybe in week 12, he becomes something. He's in shape. He he could do some things. He gets in the playoff form, and he you know he becomes playoff Gronkowski, possibly. <laughs> maybe. But in terms of over the course of the season, it's a big blow to the Tampa Bay Bucks to miss O.J. Howard. O.J. Howard was coming in to his own with Tom Brady. This may sound strange because it's not a top-of-mind issue, but it is something to think about. What does it mean for O.J. Howard? And I don't mean just not playing, but the ability to have that full year with a guy like Tom Brady. I mean, it just seems like it could have been a Ph.D. for him. Well, it's Tom Brady. It's the second time around in Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwood's system. It's learning from Gronkowski, who's a future Hall of Famer, can teach him a lot of little things on how to do certain things, of whether it's blocking or catching passes. You, You miss all of that. And who knows what happens next year with Gronkowski. Who knows what happens next year with Tom Brady? Maybe Brady says, I don't want to play next year. I'm done now. I mean, you just – it's a shame, and I'm sure he'll have full recovery and be back trying to get to his old self, but Achilles' injuries are real tough. He does have a two-year, $50 million contract, does Tom Brady, but obviously, as we know, everything is year to year. Is he the difference between them getting to the Super Bowl and not? Does he have that sort of impact? I know you said it's going to alter it a little bit. No, it doesn't doesn't necessarily have the impact of getting to the Super Bowl, but it has an impact on how they want to run their offense. When Brady has two tight end sets that he's comfortable with O.J. Howard, even though he knows Gronkowski, O.J. Howard can stretch the defense where Gronkowski can't anymore. O.J. Howard can run crisp routes and be in position to catch balls where Gronkowski can't anymore. It's just a... It's a different, it's a different tied in situation. You can flex him out. He can also play a receiver position for you if you need him to. He was learning how to become more of a dominant blocker. It's just a, it's a blow to their offense. Tampa Bay again will kick off Week Five of this season. They'll take on the Chicago Bears. Oh, uh, that's a win in Chicago tomorrow. <laughs> that's a win. Nick Foles is the quarterback. <laughs> hey, it's 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 Tom Brady versus Nick Foles again. Remember what happened the last oh, time? Oh God, just... what are they going to come up with a Chicago special? <laughs> Philly special work. They, there's not much special happening in Chicago key. I think that's, that's pretty obvious at this point. On the other end, uh, a quarterback that's just now beginning his career, if Tom's close to the end here at the age of 43, and not obviously is Tua Tungavailoa, picked fifth overall. They tanked for Tua, didn't really have to, played well second half of the season, got him at the fifth overall pick, yet to play a snap. Head coach Brian Flores says when they take on the San Francisco 49ers, who have quarterback issues of their own on Sunday, that'll be by the bay that Fitzpatrick 
is going to start. I think you know what you have in Fitzpatrick. The Dolphins are struggling again. But here's the issue for me, and and maybe you can kind of take us inside this as, as a player and what gets out and what doesn't. The whole issue with Tua is simple. Nobody knows how healthy he is. Like, that's the whole thing. Like, I understand they're struggling to throw Tua out there. He's got to learn somehow. Nobody can definitively tell you, outside of the organization, there is no one that can tell you how healthy he is. And that's true, outside the organization. But the organization knows how healthy he is. And so I would lean on the organization to make a decision on when to play Tua. And when you look at it, I've, I said from the beginning of the season, it's a it's the fifth to six-week game that you start thinking about playing Tua, right? Now that you go up against the San Francisco 49ers, this may be a time without the bolsters of the world to take a look at that okay. and see if you want to put him in depending on how the game goes. And I was looking at their schedule. You got a, a, a Von Miller-list Denver Broncos after that. Yep. You have the Chargers defense, which is good. And then you go up against the Rams, the Cardinals, and the Jets. Mm-hmm. I like to get a guy in sooner rather than later if I've already made my decision that Fitzpatrick is not the guy, right? You make that decision. He's a stopgap. He's going to teach him how to study in the pros. He's going to be there to pat the guy on the back when he comes <laughs> off the field on a bad series or two. That's what he's there for. So at some point here in the next couple of games, you've got to strongly think about inserting Tua into the lineup so he can get some reps. And now when you get to the back end of that schedule and that schedule gets tougher and you face some of those tough defenses, you, you, you now have a guy who understands the speed of the game is not too fast for him. It slowed down a little bit. Throwing him out there to the Wolves at the end of the season to get three games in, you don't want to do that to a young quarterback. You want to get let him take his lumps for a couple weeks, let things smoothen out for him. So now he understands the defenses that are, they're trying to run at him. He gets it. And, and he becomes a better player for you the following year. That's just my observation on it. Now, they can do whatever the hell they want. <laughs> that they can. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin presented by Progressive Insurance with insurance for cars, homes, boats, motorcycles, RVs, and commercial vehicles at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com. Uh, from a wide receiver standpoint, take me inside, right? You know I love saying that. Take me inside. Take me inside. That's about $12 in a jar, but okay. <laughs> uh, it is a crutch phrase for me, but... He's the future of the franchise. Everybody says he spins such an incredible ball when he was at Alabama. If you're a wide receiver um, and you know, like, this is my guy. At some point, sooner rather than later, this is my guy. And you're going to get what I like to call the Fitzpatrick fade, right? He always starts pretty well, and it's a great story. We hear about the eight kids and the beard and the Harvard. It comes up every single year. And then he's like, oh, that's right. He's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Nothing against him. But as a wide receiver, if you've got somebody like that that's ready to go, do you kind of salivate? Like, if you watch him at practice, they used to say this about Mahomes, like, bro, I know this guy ain't going to play. you got to watch this dude at practice. Alex Smith is good. This dude is something else. As a wideout, is there something about kind of seeing the pretty ball, knowing that I could be on the receiving end of this sooner rather than later? Absolutely. Um, You want to have balls thrown to you like handoffs, like meaning like you're next to a guy, even though he's throwing, you know, 20 yards down the field, he's just handing them to you. You don't want to have to make all these adjustments, tweak your back, turn it around. You don't, I don't want that. I want a guy who is very accurate and knows how to deliver the football with rhythm, precise, not knuckleballs, breaking my fingers. You, you, you want a guy like Tua. Um, you know, I never really looked at quarterbacks like that. I just said, whoever it is, I'm fine with it. But as I got to get guys like Vinny Testaverde and Brad Johnson opposed to some of the other ones, it was like I died and went to heaven, right? It was like, 
woo, because the ball come, you could see it coming, coming off their hand. I mean, you just, you could see it coming out. And when you see it coming out, you can make the necessary adjustments, not only with your hands and eyes, but with your mind on how you want to catch it, what you want to do with it beforehand, because you know the ball's going to be right in a place where you can catch it and run. That's extremely important for receivers. When you talk about yak yards, it's about catching the ball. If I got to adjust to every damn ball. Yards after catch. Yards after catch. Yak yards. If I got to adjust to every ball, Zubin, I'm not able to catch it, tuck it, and run. If I got to turn around, by the time I turn and twist my back and catch it, just like that, the defense is on me. But if I get it right in the right in my hands, I can tuck it, stiff form. I can do a lot of different things with it. And Tua, with his accuracy, gives, get, will give the Miami Dolphins that. We're in our final minute. Joe Burrow is playing for a team that hasn't won a playoff game in 30 years. Uh, Justin Herbert got in there under the strangest of circumstances, looked great. In any way, shape, or form, did the Dolphins just say, this ain't Carson Palmer, John Kitna, man. We can't just sit this guy forever. We got to get him out there. And our contemporaries, guys that pick quarterbacks in this draft, I know you have to do what's best for your organization. But when you see the relative success these two guys are having, especially Burrow and, and Herbert, considering the circumstances, it makes you think twice. Well, you can't look at those guys, right? Those guys, not necessarily Cincinnati, but the, the Chargers are kind of in that fighting for the second place within their division. Yeah. Miami's not. It's Buffalo, New England, and that's pretty much it. Can you believe that order, by the way? Which Buffalo. Order? Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I mean, they've been coming for the last that's couple true. of years, right? I that's mean, true. So when you look at it, I think at some point, Tua will play earlier rather than later. We'll wait for that on the way. How in the world can the Heat rally and possibly win the <laughs> NBA Finals? He's loving it.